In the fall of 2020, I received a bundle of transcripts with a note asking me to speak for the dead when they themselves cannot. I do not know what these stories contain, but I am asking you not to fear. Though the dead may speak through us, they can do us no harm. These are the Graveyard Chronicles. Transcript 9, Wolfman, Part 2 Dr. Snyder? I spun around. Miss Bellis was looking at me with a wide smile on her face. I looked back at the trees, but could see nothing. Had I imagined it? Did you... did you see something here before? Or... someone? I asked her, a bit hesitantly. No, I didn't see anything. I cleared my throat. Come back to my house and have some dinner, Dr. Snyder. I followed Miss Bellis, but I couldn't shake the image of the colonel standing between the trees. Miss Bellis made a wonderful dinner for me. Rose lamb and vegetables from her garden. We did a bit of small talk. I didn't want to ruin her entire evening by talking incessantly of the town's werewolf problem. It's such a shame, really, because this is such a lovely place. Friendly and safe, most of the time, Miss Bellis said. I can easily imagine that. And that is, of course, why we must find these beasts as quickly as possible. Is there hope of a cure? I thought back with my own words to Miss Bellis the first time I'd spoken to her over the phone. How I'd asked her if she wanted me to come to Greater Waring and treat their victims of lycanthropy. It depends, Miss Bellis. It very much depends. If the actions of the werewolves do not escalate and we catch them in time, then maybe. But if more than cats fall victim to them, then... She gulped. Then I suppose there's no other way. I'm afraid not. We finished the rest of dinner in silence. My host cleaned the dishes and I helped dry them. I was eager to get going with my plans as soon as possible. Miss Bellis, who would I need to contact to see the afflicted children? And the cats? Your local doctor or one of your police officers? She stopped in the middle of cleaning a glass. Oh, I'm afraid none of those things will be possible. But why ever not? Well, we burned the bodies of the cats before you arrived, and the parents are most insistent that no one sees their children. But, Miss Bellis, I'm not sure you understand. I have to see them for my report, to compare with Dr. Hastings' notes and... No... She shook her head decidedly and smiled at me sweetly. It won't be possible. I decided not to pursue the matter with her. I would contact the doctor and the police officers myself. I left Miss Bella's house at a little past eight. I still had a bit of time before the critical hours arrived. My first stop was to the local GP, a Dr Jenkins. He and his wife greeted me warmly and provided me with hot coffee while we talked in the surgery. However, 
Dr. Jenkins turned out to be of very little help. I'm afraid it is as Miss Billis told you. The bodies were burned many hours ago, and the parents won't let anyone see their children. Except me, that is. But Doctor, that won't do. Can I not, well, go on your rounds with you and see the children that way? That, Dr. Jenkins puffed himself up, would be a breach of trust on my part. I solemnly swore to the parents that no stranger would be permitted to see their children. But Doctor, this is an emergency. The entire reason for my being in town is in order for me to solve your werewolf problem and without seeing the evidence with my own eyes. No, it won't be possible. Having gotten nothing of value out of the GP, I made my way to the police station. But I ran into the same problem all over again. Can't be done, Dr. Snyder. The officer in charge shook his head. Miss Bellis and Dr. Jenkins were right. The bodies are nothing but ashes, and the children are kept under surveillance of their parents. I was growing increasingly annoyed. There had been nothing in Hastings' report of this strange lack of cooperation on the part of the residents. It didn't make any sense. Hadn't they called me to the town specifically for me to rid them of their werewolf problem? So... I did what any sensible man in my position would do. I set up a trap by the trees in the cemetery and then headed back to Jenkins' surgery to do a bit of breaking and entering. I hid behind a cluster of bushes next to the parking lot, sincerely hoping my knees would be willing to cooperate once I had to get up again. Luckily, I didn't have to wait long. Some thirty minutes later, the GP walked out of the front door, locked it, and left in his car. I stumbled to my feet, cursing my weak knees, and snuck over to the entrance. No one seemed to be around. I got out a set of lockpicks from my pocket and began working on the lock. Dr. Hastings had always been the sensible one. Had he been alive to see what I was doing, he would have no doubt talked me out of it. But he wasn't alive. If he had been, I most likely would have never travelled to Greater Waring in the first place. I was in. I locked the door quietly after me, turned on my flashlight and made my way through the surgery. Dr Jenkins' office was the second door on the left. It wasn't locked. It looked much as it had during my earlier visit. Neat and spotless clean. I pulled out his office chair and sat down behind the desk. If it was true that the children were afflicted by the presence of the beast, then there had to be records of it somewhere in the office. While I rummaged through Dr Jenkins' papers, I thought back on my conversations with the residents during the day, particularly Colonel Bateman, and the oddities of the man, his long index fingers, and the image of him at the cemetery. Could he be the victim this time? I finally managed to find the reports on the children, but looking through them, I... I couldn't understand what I was reading. Subject 1. Has been in a coma since the injection of the serum. By day 3, the subject's hair should get thicker and their muscles stronger. Subject 2. Has been in a coma since the injection. 
already showing faint signs of excessive hair growth on arms and hands. No test of subjects' muscles yet. There were ten files, all saying much the same thing. I could hardly believe it. What was it alluding to? A serum? An ongoing metamorphosis of the children? I put the files on the children aside and searched through the rest until I found one on Colonel Bateman. Subject zero. Volunteer. Following two injections of the serum, the subject has developed an excess of body hair, most of which has been shed after two weeks. Tests have proven that the muscles of the subject are much improved. Speed and general stamina increased. Previous issues with high blood pressure and a heart condition is no longer relevant. The subject is 75, but following the injections, now has the physical strength of a 30-year-old. Good evening, Dr. Snyder. The papers fell from my hands and scattered on the desk. I looked up and saw Dr. Jenkins standing in the doorway. It might be that in Chicago they are more lax with criminal offences such as break-ins, but in our part of the world we do not appreciate strangers walking into our houses without our consent. I gulped, picked up the fallen papers. What is this, this serum that you refer to in these files? Shouldn't you be out looking for the beasts, Dr. Snyder? I think we both know that the two are connected, don't we, Jenkins? The GP shrugged lightly and closed the door. You really think so? Of course I think so. All of these notes imply that the connection is... It's not a regular case, it's due to the serum and that... I could hardly say the words out loud, I was so shocked at what I had discovered. And that you have experimented on the children. Oh, but my dear friend, you must not be so sentimental. You call yourself a scientist after all, don't you? Why is it so much worse that I should test the serum on the young ones than the old ones? My first subject was, after all, not a child. No, it was Bateman. Indeed. And he was a most willing volunteer. I felt faint. The office suddenly had that same awful stench of raw meat I'd smelled in the town earlier. I wanted to sit down, but I feared that I would be giving Jenkins the upper hand if I did that. But why? Oh, but surely you are intelligent enough to figure that out for yourself. The serum makes them stronger, you see. Quicker. Makes old men feel young, and young men feel, well, invincible. Can you imagine, Dr. Snyder? If this serum makes it onto the medical market, then there will be no more illness, no more weakness. Perhaps even in the future, no more death. You saw my notes on the colonel. All of his previous ailments have disappeared after only two injections. But the... the risk. Do you even know what it does down the line? He puckered his lips thoughtfully. That is something we'll have to deal with later on. Deal with later on? 
we are talking of human lives. Human lives that will be improved by my invention. I will be praised for my work, just you see. I cast a look around the room, try to think of a way out. The window seemed to be my only option, but it was fastened shut. I had to stall for time until I figured out what to do. How did you develop it? The serum. It was quite easy, really. I extracted blood samples from the afflicted in 2003. The two nightingales. It took a few years to perfect, but now it's ready. It would most likely have been ready much sooner if your poor late partner hadn't tried to intervene. Dr. Hastings knew about it. Oh, yes. I'm afraid he saw me extract the blood samples before they burned the bodies. He wouldn't let it go, though I tried to say it was to find a cure. He was planning on going back to the Institute to discuss the matter with you, but luckily, he never made it that far. Hastings. I couldn't believe it. My partner, taken from his wife and children, all because of this madman. For every word Jenkins said, I inched further towards the window. My only chance was to get it open and get out of it, cry for help, go to the police, do something, anything. And what about the others? Do they know about your miracle serum? Is that why no one wanted to talk to me? The doctor laughed. Oh no, my friend, of course not. They're all simple people. They wouldn't understand. A little bit closer to the window now. But the children, how did you persuade the parents to let you inject them? Don't be a fool, Snyder. I'm a doctor. I just told them that it was an ordinary vaccine. When Bateman started to blabber on about werewolf attacks, it was easy to say the comas was just a side effect of the beast's presence. Almost there. But why would Bateman even say that? Why would he attract attention to the town like that? The man's a fool. Jenkins sneered with contempt. He never did catch on to where the serum came from. By the time I realised the rumours he'd been spreading, it was too late. Caroline Bellis had already decided to call you. Jenkins laughed a short, dry laugh. That old idiot didn't even realise that he was the one who killed the cats and stole all that silver. An unfortunate side effect of the serum, I'm afraid. As I said, I'm still not entirely sure about the long-running risks. But, he shrugged, it'll be worth it either way. Finally, I was in front of the window. Jenkins had been so caught up in his own story that he hadn't noticed how far I'd moved. I stood facing him and fidgeted with the lock behind my back. Yes, I'm sure it'll be a great success. Everyone will praise you for your wonderful contributions to science, I said. You mock me, Snyder. But no matter. You'll soon be proved wrong. There. It was open. He turned to look me straight in the eye. Squinted. 
started walking towards me. I spun around and pushed the window open, but Jenkins was too quick for me. Before I'd gotten even one limb out of the window, he'd grabbed my shoulder with one hand. You'll see. I promise. A stinging pain, feeling suddenly dizzy. I looked down on my left arm and saw a needle protruding from a bulging blue vein. Jenkins pulled the needle out. I fell to the floor, struggling to keep my eyes open. No, this couldn't be it. This couldn't be the end. But above me, Jenkins stood like a great, menacing phantom, his head tilted to one side. You're a scientist, Snyder. You can understand why I do what I do. Why I want to know things and change things. Don't worry. You'll wake up in a few days' time. And you'll feel much, much better. The Graveyard Chronicles is a podcast written and directed by Lizzie van Trambe. Subscribe to The Graveyard Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Thank you for listening.